Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a brain-eating organism, diabetes health devices for your pets, and dementia's connection to delirium after surgery. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 53 for the week of October 5th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And guess what? I am back. I'm Alex Ross. Oh, hi. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) I surprised you there. You weren't quite sure if I was here. (laughs) No, sir. You left me hanging last week. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is V96.00XA, unspecified balloon accident, injuring occupant, initial encounter. Wow. You must have. Did I already tell you where I was? Yes, before the show. Don't you remember? Oh, that makes sense then. Uh, you were in some hot air. Right, uh, because this kind of applies to me. This actually, this last week, I, I wasn't here because I was actually in a hot air balloon accident, um, apparently. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't build your hot air balloon out of solar panels. Oh. I was trying to show off this new like green technology. Uh, but I I don't know if you know this, hot air balloons go up with heat. Oh, I didn't know that. And thank you uh, for explaining it to me like a like a kindergartner. Right. So <laughs> when you put a bunch of solar panels on it to heat it with the solar, um, you no longer have control of that heat. It just goes up. It just goes up and up mm-hmm. and up and up until the sun goes down. Which I might add, when you are thousands of feet above the horizon. <laughs> Is a long time. <laughs> it seems like you were aiming for the moon, but it's a good thing that you didn't land there because you landed among the stars. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, we did mm-hmm. actually come down eventually, but it took until like 2 a.m. to float all the way. Nice. It was a harrowing experience. Um, they all and, float down there, they say. Well, <laughs> if the sun's up, they do. <laughs> it did hurt when we impacted the ground, though, because... Uh, well, there wasn't a whole lot of air left in the balloon by the time we made it. Yes, of course not. Because it's dark out. And everyone knows that air is afraid of the dark, so it escapes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. That's what we relied on. And with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have, what are you waiting for? Disinfect the water supply. The governor of Texas issued a disaster declaration for a Gulf Coast county where a six-year-old boy died after being infected by a brain-eating amoeba. The organism, typically found in warm freshwater lakes and rivers, was found in the water supply. People are exposed when it enters the body through the nose and they can't be infected by drinking water containing the amoeba. People in the area should avoid water-related activities and remain vigilant to water going into the nose while bathing. The Texas Commissioner on Environmental Quality is working with city officials on a plan to flush and disinfect the water system. Wow, that's crazy. I've actually heard about this amoeba, but it was happening in Florida, and I was like, holy cow, imagine going swimming on vacation in Florida, and then your brain just gets eaten by an organism. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough uh, situation, because obviously you've got to take a bath, right? This might be one of those, one, the, the only time when it's better to be the, that kid at my high school who never takes a bath, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. And, and when this happens, I'm sure that kid is going around and telling everyone, see, I told you, I told you. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, I mean, the fact, usually this amoeba is in like bogs 
and stuff like where right. it's just stagnant water. But the fact that they got it in the water supply is really bad because then it's like, uh, OK, so you're telling this entire uh, <laughs> guess the governor of Texas or the Gulf Coast County specifically not yeah. to uh, not to bathe where it's like, OK, so if I go to a different county, am I going to be OK? Or like if I'm right on the border, do I know where the water supply is getting from yeah. taken from? I mean, obviously, there's an issue with the water treatment if it made mm-hmm. it into the water system in the first place, which, you know, it begs the question, how long has that issue been going on and what other potential health impacts has that had on the community? Yeah, right. Poor kid, though. It's strange to me almost that with the amount of technology we have, we still have all of these situations that crop up with specifically drinking water um, being supplied to people that is not good for them. Yeah, I think, I mean, they always say, you know, technology is the solution for everything. Sure, maybe the technology exists, but that doesn't mean that much of anybody has it implemented. You know what I mean? So they always, people always say that technology is a solve all, and I'm sure it is, but it's a matter of implementing it too, which is a whole nother aspect of the coin. You know what I mean? It takes much longer to implement technology than it does to develop it, I guess. So I just, I, I want to also mention that your your fridge filter like your brita filter they do not filter out amoebas that should just be noted oh wow that's Um, scary well good thing it can only enter through the nose right exactly so (laughs) don't go well actually in fact the article that i'm looking at specifically says don't use brita filtered water for your neti pot (laughs) which makes sense because that goes in your nose That's a very niche article. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to boil the water for at least a minute, three minutes at higher elevation uh, to make sure that you kill brain-eating amoebas. So keep that in mind if you need to use a neti pot when you're in this Gulf Coast County. If you neti a neti pot. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, don't forget to feed the dog and to monitor its glucose levels. Trividia Health Inc. is expanding to include products designed for better pet health, specifically pets with diabetes. The first device, Test Buddy Pet Monitoring Glucose System, will help with measuring their blood glucose levels. The next pet health products to launch are also designed for the health and well-being of cats and dogs living with diabetes. Trividia Health will be the first manufacturer to provide these types of pet products to retail pharmacies throughout the U.S. Yeah, so... A lot of people don't realize that pets get diabetes. Usually it's an older pet and they're usually overweight. So um, that's kind of the most common cause for pet mm-hmm. diabetes. It seems like the risk factors for diabetes yep, mirrors exactly. a lot of the risk factors for humans as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. But a lot of people don't realize that. And it's, I mean, it's definitely a sad reality when you have to test your dog's blood glucose level. It's kind of... Um, Mm-hmm. It's a it's, it's a it's a sad reality, but it does happen. So it's good to see that there's um, enhancements going towards diabetes for pets. Right. Do you think that insulin for pets is the same as the insulin? I think it humans? is. I think and it so, is. Is it? Um. I mean, is it as expensive? Because that would be a really big expense for your dog. Okay. So I I should mention that. Dog insulin and human insulin is not the same. It is um, very similar. Mm-hmm. The dog insulin is typically a lot less concentrated. 
Uh, which for obvious reasons, your dog is probably somewhere between like, I don't know if it's a big dog, 50, 70 pounds, whereas a human is like 200. So it makes sense that it would be less concentrated, but, um, I should know though, just for liability's sake that you shouldn't go mixing around insulins. Dog insulin is not recommended for humans. Human insulin is not recommended for dogs. Talk to your vet, talk to your doctor. Don't listen to what some guy on the, the, healthcare podcast says (laughs) yeah exactly so next up no it might not be the amnesia making you delirious researchers are studying the link between dementia and post-operative delirium after major surgery 17 percent of hospitalized patients ages 65 and older experience delirium which is confusion disorientation hallucinations and difficulty thinking or remembering post-operative delirium is associated with subsequent cognitive decline and development of dementia the researchers will be able to characterize why patients develop delirium after elective surgery and why those who experience postoperative delirium are at an increased risk of developing dementia. They'll also potentially be able to develop treatment to prevent cognitive decline. It almost sounds like uh, the link that they're trying to prove might be some kind of preventative test, right? Yeah. Because by the time you get to the age where dementia could start affecting you, you might go in for something like a hip replacement or a knee replacement. And then they're like, ah, you experienced delirium. We should probably start testing for dementia, even though there aren't any readily available symptoms. Or on the opposite side, it could be that they don't have any symptoms of uh, dementia and then they go in and then after that, they start to develop dementia because they're experiencing delirium. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure which direction the link goes. I, I don't right. think they're suggesting that anesthesia causes dementia. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the, the no, link. but it could be like the 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 trauma of surgery, right? Like it's it's kind of the, the brain the, the pre dementia, if you will, the the way the brain is set up mm-hmm. makes them more likely to get delirium as a result of anesthesia. Like right. that experience is very confusing to those brains. And yeah, stressful. It'll be interesting to see. It could hopefully it's hopefully they find something that's helpful and it's not just one of those. Oh, turns out there is an obvious answer to this question that we kind of mm-hmm. knew the answer for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like something that actually expands the medical field. But dementia is definitely scary. So <laughs> dementia is scary. So is anesthesia, though. <laughs> <laughs> but let's sure go to we- our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest and greatest and largest and farthest cybersecurity breaches all across the world. First up, scout your emails for scams like this. A data breach at the Scouts Victoria organization in Australia could have compromised sensitive information of around 900 people. Scouts Victoria provided about 17,000 young people with a, quote, skills for life program. An unauthorized person accessed employee email accounts. It's thought that the breach was the result of a successful phishing campaign. It isn't clear whether the data belonged to the adult volunteers or the parents of children enrolled in the organization. Scouts Victoria said it notified the victims of the breach and contacted relevant government authorities. It'd be really funny to see that if they found whether it was the kids or the adults, if they found that it was the adults that were the ones who fell for the phishing attempt and the kids were like, no, this was suspect. (laughs) So I didn't Mm -hmm. click on it. 
I just think that that would be funny because it would then it would kind of prove like it would in it it would inadvertently kind of prove that people who are older need to be trained more on what is okay and isn't okay on the internet rather than the kids right (laughs) just because of being a product of growing up in this environment as opposed to being forced into this environment that would just be an interesting thing exactly i i will note that scouts victoria is the australian equivalent of like our boy scouts of america right it's it's Ah. a similar organization that uses a lot of the same terminology and I I did just want to mention that on their website they have a section that says speak like a scout. And mm. so I I just wanted to share with you um a, a particular word that that might be useful to you when talking about these scouts. Okay. Um they use different in the US we have different animals for our scout groups. So we have like the tigers, the wolves, the bears. Um, well, one of the groups that the Australian Scouts has is called the Joey Scouts, you know, Ooh. like a kangaroo, because that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But you should you should know that a group of Joey Scouts is referred to as a mob. <laughs> <laughs> this is on their website. This is completely Instead true. Instead of selling popcorn, they just come to your house and kneecap you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a funny. That's a funny comparison. But <laughs> you think that def- there's a Joey Joey Scout out there? Maybe you Who's never a part know. of the mob. You never know. <laughs> that's funny. I'm having too much fun with that. Um, yeah, but fishing's bad. Make sure you stay vigilant with your emails. That is the moral of the story. Next up, shoplifting for online merchants. E-commerce company Shopify notifies its users about a security incident that exposed information of less than 200 merchants. Two rogue support team members gained access to customer transactional records of merchants. Shopify notified the FBI and other international agencies to investigate the full extent of the breach. They said they have no evidence that the data is being misused. Shopify also notified all affected parties of the insider theft. The company said this incident was not the result of a technical vulnerability and most merchants are not affected. Shopify terminated the network access of the two individuals responsible for the inside threat and hopefully also fired them. (laughs) So is it employees of the company that purposely exposed? Yeah, well, I said rogue employees, so that means that they were probably doing it maliciously. Okay, so these are people who had access but should not have been misusing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Obviously, it seems like they did a relatively good job at least detecting it and ending this this threat yeah obviously terminating them <laughs> they took sense. a they took the right steps they talked to the fbi they let everyone know and they corrected it right so right right and i will say that 200 people uh, 200 merchants that's a pretty small breach in terms of the breaches we talk about and in um, terms of the size of shopify Right. With it's an absolutely massive company. I didn't even hear about this and I have a Shopify account. So that tells you I was not affected. Thankfully, that makes me happy. (laughs) It also goes to show you that like, okay, so Shopify, they said that they, it wasn't the result of a technical vulnerability. So in other words, it's saying Shopify has securities in place and access controls in place and all these different things that make it almost as hard as possible to 
have a breach, right? Like I'm, right. I'm sure there's always vulnerabilities, but the whole point of compliance and cybersecurity is so that you make it as hard as possible that exactly. the vulnerabilities are, exist. Um, yep. But it also goes to show you that no matter what you do, it's um, you can't you can't stop or predict an employee going rogue and looking at merchants' accounts that they don't have access to, or looking into patients' files that they don't have access to. Right. That's just kind of the nature of compliance, and that's why, like the Department of Health and Human Services, who kind of does stuff with HIPAA specifically, that's why they don't hold. They they realize that so you can't be fully responsible for everything that happens regarding compliance at your organization. It's kind exactly. of a, a two-way street. So, But you do have a responsibility to kind of stay on top of things Yep. so that you know if something goes wrong and you can mm -hmm. respond to it, right? Yeah. Compliance is a road, Alex, not a destination. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, block these funds from being moved. KuCoin Global, a world-class blockchain asset exchange, confirmed a major hack. The breach affected KuCoin's Bitcoin, Ether, and ERC-20 hot wallets. Private keys had been leaked, and reports initially estimated that the breach affected $150 million in user funds, but they could actually total about $193 million. KuCoin said it's cooperating with law enforcement and relevant blockchain projects, and that they are insured and will cover any client losses. They're working to locate the reason for the incident and will keep users updated on details. When the major exchanges were alerted, they moved quickly to halt the transfers of the hacked assets. This response may prevent some of the funds from being moved by the hackers. So this well, is kind of one of the downfalls of blockchain, which blockchain is just a fancy word for things like Bitcoin and Ether and all that stuff that are just online currencies. Right. Um, is once someone, if someone gets your code, your particular code. So instead of like wallets, it's like a code and that code is very unique to you. And um, if you, in the old days when you bought Bitcoin, you get this code and if you forgot the password to that code, then you just lost your Bitcoin. Right. Um, and there's no way to get your password back. So now it's a little bit different because there's vendors that handle that for you. And then you just worry about your username and password for the vendor and then all that stuff. But if someone gets that code, then they have your wallet. <laughs> and the thing with Bitcoin is transactions are anonymous. So there's yeah. like really no way to track like, okay, this transaction is not good. It's coming from someone who stole that money from this breach. And uh, yeah, so that's just there's, kind of the one of the drawbacks. There's got to be some kind of safeguard against that, right? Because you otherwise, think? hackers would just be doing like brute force attacks trying to find wallets. And once they found one, they would just transfer all the money out. Yeah. Right. It'd be like mining, but in reverse. <laughs> yeah. They say that blockchain is one of the most secure ways to do to buy things, but it's also kind of a wild west still. <laughs> right. So there has to be a little bit more to that. They didn't just get the numbers of the wallets. They also somehow got authorization to do mm -hmm. that transfer in the first place. Right. Now, obviously, KuCoin, it's, KuCoin's it's, one of those vendors that I was talking about, right? right. So there has to be, right. there's a, it's a double-sided attack here. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing that they had insurance, but I'm a little concerned that they won't have anyone to insure them after this. <laughs> yes, I agree. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And barring any freak hot air balloon accidents, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. 
This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.